you've got your Bible with you this morning, uh, I want you to find 2 Corinthians chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, start bringing your Bible with you. Be a good practice to know the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's pray. Father, for this time we have together now, we give thanks. We're so blessed to be able to study your word and to receive divine truth and revelation from on high. We ask that each one would have eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts that are open and receptive. Thank you for for directing our steps and ordering our paths today. I receive utterance, words from heaven to, to, to bring life to the lives of all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Say it out loud with me. I'm going to receive from the Word of God. I'm going to get something. I'm going to get something today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been in a series uh, for the last number of weeks called One by One. W-O-N by O-N-E. One by one. And of course, if you've been with us, you know that uh, it is the heart of the Father. It's the heart of God that the world be one, that not a single person on this planet is lost. And the Lord uh, has a plan to win these people, to get them saved, and that is you, and it is me. Amen. He's not going to come down and do it by himself. He's not going to step in and fill in the gap where we've dropped the ball. No, but we must catch the vision. We must recognize his call. We must recognize the responsibility that we have to take what he's given us and share it with others. Praise the Lord. And so I, I trust it's going well. We're praying and we're, we're believing with you uh, for those people that you've uh, met, that most of you have uh, turned in. You've given us a list of people, of family and friends and uh, you know, co-workers, whoever they might be, uh, that you're praying for. And, and, of course, we covered that element of how to pray for lost people. And, uh, and we're in agreement with you. And uh, I trust it's going well, that there's, there's opportunities abounding and people are coming to the Lord daily. Amen? And, uh, and, and so keep up the good work and let's, let's work with people because our job and our goal is not just simply to get someone to pray a prayer with us, although that's a very important step, but then we want to walk with them, right, and, and, and help them become disciplined followers of Christ. We want to, we want to do what Jesus said in, in uh, Matthew 28, and that is we want to make disciples, right? We want to make followers of Christ. And so, praise the Lord. Again, things are going well, and, uh, and let me hear your reports. I'd like to hear how it's going and how many people are being impacted and affected for the kingdom of God. I find it interesting that in the Scripture... Our representation of Jesus to others is likened unto a fragrant perfume. Uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed that analogy and that truth, that biblical truth. But if you think about uh, from time to time, you, you think about how smell affects our lives. Isn't it pretty dramatic? Uh, uh, if you think about things that smell really, really good, like maybe, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you walk into a garden with you know, a lot of fresh flowers, and you can just smell the aroma. It's like, wow, that smells fresh and nice and clean and just something about it that's, that smells so good. Or, or, or I think about uh, sometimes walking, you know, in, into the house maybe around Thanksgiving, 
and uh, and someone's been cooking all day and and getting all the getting all the stuff ready for the big meal and you're just overwhelmed by uh, by those smells uh, as soon as you walk in it can be uh, well quite pleasing right <laughs> it can be very nice smell smell can bring back memories from 20 years ago or longer it's just a very powerful thing that that that, that can happen with smell right on the other hand uh, uh, bad smells how many know they can be pretty impacting as well. And, and, and just like a just like a positive or a good smell, an aromic aura of something good will draw you in. It, it'll pull you like, wow, let's go that way. <laughs> I mean, restaurants will do that at times, right? When the, if they can get their smell out to you, <laughs> well, that's a huge advertisement right there. It's like oh, I'm going over here. Right? But just like that, uh, bad smells can have the opposite effect on you, right? Have you ever smelled something? nasty <laughs> it just rank and just oh and it just just immediately made you cringe or cover your nose or or leave I mean I walked into Pastor Allen's office one time and uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding <laughs> I, I'm out of here <laughs> no but maybe you've walked maybe you've been uh, maybe behind a restaurant or something where they're you know, they got their dumpster and they're throwing old food and it's starting to rot or something. It's like, you know, rotten food or, de- you know, or dead animals or something like that. Death, death is a stinky thing, isn't it? It's like, oh, it's just so bad. And it repels you. It'll, tr- it'll make you go away from it. And, and I, I don't know, I, I, I speculate a little bit, but I, I think uh, when we go, get to heaven that, we're oftentimes, we, we imagine, we think about, because we have some scriptures that tell us, but a lot of what we think about is visual. I'm going to see this, and I'm going to see, and I, I believe that'll be, that's true. You know what, I, I would speculate as well. I would say, I bet it smells really nice there. I bet not only will it be visually stimulating to see the glories of God, the glories of heaven, all the things that, that, that are there, but I bet there'll be some things to smell. That we'll we'll think, nice. I like this because it just has such a big impact on people. I remember hearing a story uh, of an in- individual who had an experience in hell years ago, and one of the things that I've always remembered about his testimony is he testified of the awful rank smell there. He said, and he went on to describe it. I can't even remember all the adjectives, but it was worse than. And he listed all these things on earth like a hundred times worse than the worst thing you've ever uh, smelled on the planet. And that was just permeated that place. I thought, oh, it's just the opposite of life. God smells good. The devil stinks. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and why, why do we say all this? Well, I, I want to read this scripture so we can see the parallel between the message that we have and good smells all right second corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 it says now thanks be to god who always leads us in triumph in christ how often does the lord want you to win every single day every day of your life always in every circumstance and situation he's always leading us into triumph praise god say well i've fallen on my face well you and many others, but the Lord didn't lead you to fall on your face. He's leading you to triumph. 
Praise the Lord. He says, and through us, through who? Through us, diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. In other words, the knowledge of God has a smell. The knowledge of God has a fragrance. And how is that amazing fragrance uh, shared with people? It is through us. God uses the triumph that we are to walk in. He leads us into victory each and every single day of our lives. He wants your life to shine. And then His knowledge comes through you. And it smells so good that the world is drawn to Him. Through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. It says, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Obviously, if a person re- resists the knowledge of God, well, that doesn't smell too good in their life. Amen. Here, here's another translation. This is the Moffat translation. Listen to this. It says, wherever I go, I thank God he makes my life a constant pageant of triumph in Christ." diffusing the perfume of his knowledge everywhere by me. I live for God as the fragrance of Christ breathed alike by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. And so your life, the knowledge of God comes through you and comes through me and it is like a fragrance that draws people to the Lord. It is a, it is a smell where we, people can get a whiff of God, so to speak. And when we live our lives in triumph, that knowledge of God comes through. When we share the knowledge of God with another person, it's like you walking past that restaurant and going, hmm, I'm going in there. Praise the Lord. It's a, it, it can be a tremendous draw of, by the Spirit of God and to His very goodness. And uh, again, the worst smell is that of death. Hell's a stinky place, but life is the opposite, and, and, and you smell good. In our message in winning others, I believe it's right, and it's very important that we stay on message, that we keep the main thing the main thing. When it comes to uh, salvation, a relationship with God, we know the new birth is vital. Okay, repentance is, in, is a necessity in, in, in this equation, and... Uh, a person's heart, when changed, will change their life, not the other way around. It's not that a person's life is changed and then that gets them into a relationship with the Lord. We must understand the nature of how the new birth works is that it begins internally and then affects people's minds and affects their decisions and everything else they do. Knowing that, it will help us to hone our message, to tighten that thing up and focus on the main issue. You see, sometimes people become distracted in, and, and get off message Sometimes through tradition or religion or some things that they've, they've associated with and they focus on the wrong thing. Usually it's external instead of focusing on the main thing. See, we should understand what our message, not only what it is, but what it's not. Let me give some examples of what our message is not. 
Our message is not one of condemnation. Our message is not that we are, uh, as believers, we're going out and beating people up with, with, with the truth. In other words, I want to drive you into the ground. I want to make you feel like a lousy good for nothing. I want you to, I want you to recognize you, man, you are just a waste of a human being and just drive them into the ground. Huh? That's not what our message is. How many understand gospel means good news? doesn't mean bad news. It means good news. It's a, it's a message of life. It's a message of hope. It's a message of peace and salvation of what the Lord has done for us. And so there is much sin. All around, there is much, many problems in people's lives, but my message is not to beat them down. Our message is to say, hey, I want to lift you up, and that's what the Lord wants to do in your life. And so if ever a person says, I'm going out and sharing the gospel, and that all they're doing is beating people up. You know what I'm talking about? They're making people feel guilty. They're trying to uh, condemn people for, for their lousy lifestyle. They have departed from the spirit of grace. They've departed from the Spirit of God, and that's not how the Lord is moving to draw people to Himself. Here's another one. Our message is not confess your sins. Our message is not, I just need, I'm just trying to get people to confess all their sins. Did you know that's not the way into salvation? Confessing your sins is not the way into salvation. I know when John the Baptist baptized people, the Bible says they, that people came confessing their sins. In other words, they made note of certain things that they were doing. Uh, but the Scripture does not teach the unbeliever to come to the Lord and confess their sins. Did you know that? All right. For the believer now, there is one verse of Scripture in the Bible that tells a, a Christian to confess sins in other words, plural. In other words, as a believer, if I sin, I should confess that sin. Everybody with me? That I should. In other words, I'm not going to. That's so I. It's not. Listen, it's not really even so that God will forgive me. My sins have been forgiven past, present, and future. I came to the Lord. You know the, the things that you possibly hopefully not but may do in the future have already been forgiven and you've not even asked about it Hmm. because jesus gave for us eternal redemption they've already been dealt with my confession of confession of my sins first john 1 9 has to do more with me than it has to do with the lord i know the scripture says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness but again that's 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 because of me so i cannot live a double life and have these hidden things uh in my life uh but i can have a continued unhindered walk with god all right but for the for the unbeliever now do you know why this is true (laughs) well at least one reason why it's true because it is impossible (laughs) possible for a person to confess their sins think about it take an average joe let's say a person gets saved when they're 30 whether or you can say 15 or 60 but a person gets saved when they're 30 are they really going to go back and confess their sins i mean they might be able to remember all the sins they committed today maybe but if they have, what about if they have to go back to yesterday? Well, maybe they could do it. Maybe. I bet they'd forget some. Huh? I mean, if sin really has to do with, Jesus brought it down not only to the act, but to the condition of someone's heart. 
He said, lusting after a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. You going to catch all those? What if they had to go back a month and remember everything they did a month ago and confess their sins? What if, what if they had to go back to when they were three? <laughs> Three-year-olds can sin, by the way. <laughs> Maybe they're not accountable at that age, but you know, except for their, to their parents. But there's no way that a person can go back to their whole life and tick off all their sins. So I got that, and I got the Scripture doesn't tell them to do that. That's not my message. So we want to be real clear. I want to win my uh, brother to the Lord. I want to win my co-worker to the Lord. I'm not going to tell them, well, you need to confess your sins. They can't. They don't even know. It's an impossibility. How many understand this, the, the, what the Bible tells the sinner to confess? Is the lordship of Jesus. When a person would make, if a person will make Jesus the Lord of their life, everything gets fixed. Yeah. And their old, the old sin nature is washed away. It's all gone. All right. Here's another one. Uh, my message is not to tell people just to live a better life. Our message is not quit sinning. You got to knock it off. You got to knock off this lousy behavior. You got to quit lying, man. You got to quit stealing and cussing and, and, and being mean and, and whatever else someone's into. That's not my message. If someone is lost, if I get them to stop telling lies, they're a truthful lost person. Right? If I get someone to be moral, well, then they're a, morally, a moral heathen. But they're still lost. That's why my message is not to be focused on, well, you're doing this, knock it off. You're doing this. you got to quit doing this. That's ungodly. That's sinful. You can't be saved if you do that. Their being saved has nothing to do with that. Amen. Literally, it goes back to that other point I made. If, if we could get someone, let me say it this way. If I, as your pastor, could get you to simply make Jesus the Lord of your life, and I say that in a all-inclusive way because I know probably you know the majority of us have made Jesus the Lord of our lives but I mean if we really did it you know what I mean (laughs) Uh, if we really made Jesus the Lord of our lives that means he's the boss of me in every way I do everything he says every day if we could get people to make Jesus Lord that means he calls the shots I don't ever have to talk about sin I don't ever have to. My job gets real easy if I could get you just to obey God. <laughs> hmm. But a lot of times people sing the song. They say it to talking with another. Yeah, Jesus is Lord. He's the Lord of my life. But then they go out and do what they want to do anyway. Hmm. All right. Well, you're not real excited about that, so I'll just go on. <laughs> but again, our message is not... I just want to get people to stop sinning. I, can, I want to get people to live a better life. That can actually be cruel. Because if I just tell people, you just need to stop doing this and start doing this, I socialize them into Christianity. They have a false confidence and a false assurance of salvation. They think. They think this is true anywhere with anyone? They think, because I'm a moral person now, because I live a good life, I'm going to heaven. 
I have a relationship with God and nothing is further from the truth. Because you cannot, we all know this, work your way into a relationship with God. Our message is not church membership. Our message is not, man, you just need to get into church. You just need to find a good church and belong to a church. How many understand you can ride the church pew all the way to hell? Just because a person is a church member does not mean they are a member of the body of Christ. Amen. And that's, that happens all too frequently that people substitute a genuine salvation, repentance, and making Jesus Lord with church membership. And I think that's probably uncommon here, if ever. But in a lot of churches, that's the emphasis. We're growing the church. We're getting new church members. I know, but are people being born again? That's the question. Now, how many understand this? We're, talk, we're, um, we're talking about our message to an unbeliever. We understand our message to a believer is different. My message to a believer is, where do you go to church? Who's your pastor? Huh? You need to be in a local assembly. You need to be in the fellowship of the saints. You need to be committed to the local church. That is a message for believers, not a message for unbelievers. Okay? And so we don't minimize any of this. I'm not telling you, you know, I'm not telling me. We should, go, we should not pay attention to our lifestyle or, or sins. No, we ought to live like Christ does. Huh? We ought, we ought, we ought to uh, emulate Him in all that we do. Our message is not politics. How many understand that you can be of different political persuasion and still be saved? I know some have a real hard time with that. And listen, I have some pretty strong thoughts about political th- things as well. But I'm never going to confuse that with being born again. Everybody with me? You don't need to convert them to your party first. I'm not saying, though, I'm not saying when I say that, that Christians shouldn't engage in political activity. They ought to. I'm not saying that churches shouldn't deal with hot issues in a, in a country. They, they, they ought to. I'm saying let's keep the main thing the main thing. All right? And someone can, and you don't want to let something like that hinder a person from being born again. All right? Our message is not appearance. Well, you don't really look very Christian. <laughs> you, you, you don't look saved. My goal is not just to, is not to change someone's outward appearance. My goal is to change their heart. If I can get them changed on the inside, if there's anything on the outside that looks a mess, I believe that, cha- that will change in time. And it's, 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 again, that's, that's just not the issue. That's not the, the, the most important thing that we're talking about. I know that it's very common when people come out of various lifestyles and various backgrounds, when they get born again over a period of time, I've seen it happen real quick and sometimes over time, there are many external things that change. Sometimes people change, they literally change the way they look. But here's what we don't want to get into. They changed because of a, a religious requirement. Well, this group says you have to look like this. And, 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 and that's, that's baloney. When people, though, change external things because the Lord is dealing with them, that's a very positive thing. But again, I don't want to, I don't want to confuse the issue and say, well, you don't look right. You got to change your hair. You got to change your clothes. You got to change this. You got to, you know, whatever you might you might talk about. That's not the issue. I want the spirit of life to get in someone, and then if the Lord deals with them, and they want to look different in any way, fine. But that's not the message. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. I want you to look with me over at John chapter 16. It's important that we don't, we don't try to make a disciple before we make a Christian. Make a child of God first, then walk with them to become a disciplined follower of the Lord. First make a saved person, then make a grown-up saved person, a disciple of the Lord. In John 16, and let's read here in verse 8, Jesus said, And when He has come, now He here is the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Who's going to do that? The Holy Spirit. It is His ministry to convict or convince or reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Understand it's not our ministry to do that. We don't convince or convict the world. He does that. What's the difference? Our ministry is that we are simply a witness. A witness is not the judge or the jury. A witness simply testifies of what he has personally seen or what he knows to be true. Okay? Our job is, again, we're going to give him something to smell. It's the knowledge of God. It's what I share what I know. I testify of what I've seen, what I've personally experienced of God myself. If I will do that, the Holy Spirit will take that message and convince those who I'm talking to of things that are right. I don't want to step into His job where I start feeling, man, they're not responding. I've got to... I've got to Convict them. Convi- conviction them. Uh, convict them. Sometimes that's when people get into condemnation. And that's where the Spirit of God's not moving. All right. Some have gone in their zeal beyond the witness stage and tried to bring people under conviction themselves. And uh, this is something that, that he does. Now, notice what he's going to convict of. Uh, it says in verse 9, well, it says in all in verse 8 sin, righteousness, and judgment. Listen. Verse 9, of sin because they do not believe in me. I want you to notice the language. He didn't say, of sin because they are thieves. Of sin because they are liars. Of sin because they are fornicators. Of sin because they murder people. Many of you know the Spirit of God is not dealing with people, is not bringing conviction to sinners about those sins or any other myriad of sins that are out there. What this helps me to understand, again, going back to what our message is not, that's not what I'm supposed to be talking to people about. I want to get someone changed on the inside, then all that stuff will come off over time as they grow. The Spirit of God is not dealing with this. Why? Because nobody's ever gone to hell for lying. Nobody's ever gone to hell for getting drunk. Nobody's ever... Watch this. So those, uh, that, that's 
That's good. I, I understand that. Nobody's ever gone to hell for, for uh, murder. Now, we think sometimes in the natural, we think, man, someone who murders someone, man, that turkey deserves hell. <laughs> so do you. <laughs> Apart from Christ. Hmm. Yeah, but that per- that turkey, he, I mean, that's, no one ever went to, to hell for rape. Or any other gruesome thing that you can think of, the horrible things that mankind has done to other people and done so much damage. That's not the reason people go to hell. That's, those things come out of the reason for them going to hell. It's because by nature, mankind, apart from Christ, is toast. They're s- evil, sinful. There's nothing good that dwells in us. Amen. That's why the Spirit of God, He will convict the world of sin. What do you mean sin? Of not believing on Him. And so that becomes my message as well. That's my message because I know the Holy Spirit's going to work with that. It all comes down to Jesus. It all comes down to what a person does. We could say it this way. Every sin's already been washed away. Every sin's already been paid for except rejecting Jesus. And that's the one thing we must respond to. Everybody with me now? Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Number t- uh, Verse 10, of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And so it seems Jesus is, is saying, because when he was on the earth, he was a perfect example. You could see, people could see him. He was the perfect example and standard of righteousness. What God says is right and what is true and what is honorable, what is holy. He, it's all wrapped up in Jesus. He said, but I'm leaving. So they don't have that standard before him. And so the Holy Spirit brings to the table uh, a conviction of righteousness. This is the standard of God. This is the thing that we all must uh, live up to. And coming short of that, of course, all humanity has come short. But we, we, we can recognize that. The Spirit of God will reveal that of, of sin or of righteousness because I go to my Father We know that he sets the standard of righteousness. And verse 11, of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, who's the ruler of this world he's talking about? See, this is is Satan. It's the devil. You know, the Bible calls Satan the god of this world. Here he's called the ruler of, uh, of, of this world, right? He has been judged. And the Spirit of God is here to testify and convict that the enemy has already been defeated. The Bible says in Colossians that Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Basically, the de- Jesus went into the devil's backyard and beat him up. Took his keys, <laughs> left, and handed him over to the church. The enemy has been defeated. And the Spirit of God is here to remind and let us know the devil's a loser capital L, right? He is defeated. He has gone down. And now all authority has been given to the believer in Christ so we can live in victory and live triumphant every day of our lives. Thank God that the Lord is helping us and revealing to us, revealing these things about what the true message is. And so again, our message must be precise. Many people, I believe, have rejected They've rejected what is really probably a false portrayal of God. Some said, I don't want anything to do with church. 
I don't want anything to do with Christianity. I don't want anything to do with, with the Lord. Why? Because of what is in their mind that it really is. And someone got too bound up in wrong thinking or religious thinking, religious tradition, and they presented that to a person and said, this is God, and a person rejected that. But you know what? They didn't reject the true God. I mean, ultimately, it plays out the same way. But I want to make sure that when I uh, am endeavoring to win another person to my Lord, that I'm showing them the real deal here, the genuine reality of who God is and all He's done, not some religious counterfeit. And I want them—I want to give them the real gospel to choose from. And uh, this is this is important for us to recognize here. I really believe that God has strategically placed us in places where we need to be. I don't want to go to this extreme. Well, I think there's two extremes. One, one extreme is this, where I believe and I act like every single person I meet is a divine appointment. Everywhere I go, every person I come across, God has brought us together. Don't you kind of want to run from those people sometimes? (laughs) But at the same time, I don't want to be so naive to not recognize that many of the connections that are made in my life are directed by the Lord. I don't want to just call everything in life coincidence. This just happened by chance. It, uh, I think when, if people think that way, they miss out on many opportunities for God to use them in another person's life. Again, just like you've been praying for that individual, someone else has been praying for someone else. And all of a sudden, there you are. All of a sudden, there you, and I'm not going to, Again, go to one extreme and say, everything, everybody I meet, everything, I, everyone I run into, God ordained it. But I'm not going to be so spiritually dull to not recognize that many times God is bringing people into my life. He's bringing me into someone else's life. Our paths cross for a divine purpose. Why? They need a, they need a whiff. They need to smell how good God smells. What do, you, what do I mean? It's the knowledge of Him that God is using to bring, to bring them into a relationship with Him. But here's the deal. Knowing this now, God strategically places us in various areas in life. Throughout our city, God has deposited, He, he has placed us in places where we can personally represent Him. You're like that little plug that you stick in the wall. Has that smell? <laughs> he puts you in a certain room so that, that, so that room could be filled with his aroma. And he looks at you and says, they smell good. He smells Jesus in you and what Jesus has done. But we're in that room so that room can be filled with the knowledge of God. How else is it going to get there? Who else is going to represent the Lord? in that place where you are, in that neighborhood that you live in, in that family that you're involved. 
who, who else is going to be, uh, what do they call those? The Glade or something? <laughs> Plug-ins? Who else is going to plug in? Everyone else stinks. Spiritually now. And here comes you. Here comes me. A breath of God's fresh air and the knowledge of Him. Let's not think for a moment. Let's not be so carnal as to think, well, you know, it's all by chance. Knock that off, man. Don't we have confidence that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord? Do we believe that He's leading us? I mean, we confess it, don't we? We say, God's leading me. He's directing my steps. He's ordering my paths. And sometimes we think that's, you know, that's for my prosperity. That's for God blessing me in my life. That's a part of it, but that's only one part of it. He leads me so that someone else can be blessed and someone else can be changed. And I must exercise my faith and confidence in Him that it's happening every single day. And again, I'm not going to go to the other extreme and say everything, but I'm looking at all times to recognize those divine connections and appointments. I tell you what, God has done this. Listen, how do people, how are people in the schools going to get saved? They don't look too kindly on me showing up with my pulpit. Well, I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher, so this is what I do. And so I'm going to go around to the schools. What about, I mean, I know there's people that are like, uh, like uh, Hewlett-Packard. Got a lot of employees over there. They need the Lord. So I'm showing up there tomorrow with my pulpit. And they say, what are you, who are you, what are you? Uh, well, I'm a preacher. And so I'm here to set up shop and preach to your employees. Well, how many know that doesn't work? Well, you can't do that here. <laughs> Don't you have a church? I know, but they're not all coming. I would have, be happy to preach to them on my turf. I mean, it, it, it's better. But they're not all coming, so i got to come to you. But that doesn't work. So what does the Lord do? Puts one of you there. Amen. If I don't recognize that, I miss out on God's plan. He's put me in the lives of different people because I smell good. And really, it's the knowledge of God that's going to be dis- disseminated through me. He diffuses it through me. Amen. I, who, who, this is where I was talking last night about, about, about schools. I've always been kind of one who I see a positive in many different forms of schooling for those who have children and, and maybe in your own past as well. But, you know, you got the public school option. you got Christian schools. you got homeschooling. And, and uh, you know, a lot of Christians, of course, want, wanting to keep, uh, you know, some of the junk from the world out of their kids. Their kids won't be involved in, in some of the schools. And, and I see that as valid. There's some stuff goes goes on. It's just you don't want your kids to be exposed to you don't want it to mess them up but at the same time i'm not totally sold on that on that principle because i know they need a glade in other words they need someone i i, I don't want to go to so such because I, I believe all three of those are valid ways of education but i don't want to just remove all christians from the public arena in life either and just you know let the devil have them we need people who, who are witnesses. Amen. 
We need those who will stand up for the Lord in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Praise the Lord. And so where has God strategically placed you? Don't act like He hasn't. Don't act like, well, I just chose this. Listen, a lot of our choices, are, are, we're being led by the Spirit when we don't even know it. And I know this, wherever I'm at, I've got that aroma of the knowledge of God. Wherever I go, even if I just chose to go, there I am. <laughs> I mean, there's everybody else, and here I am. The breath of God, the knowledge of God comes through me. And recognizing that, oh, I tell you what, man, Spirit of God is moving on this. I tell you what, He wants us to catch this. He wants us to recognize how we're a valuable key in His plan, a valuable part of what He wants to do in the earth today. Recognize where you're at. Look every single day for that opportunity. Look. Because there's something in you that will change the life of somebody else. Father, thank you so much for your your presence in our lives. Thank you so much for your goodness, for your love toward us. I believe that you're at work today. Yes, and you're guiding. Yes, and you're leading. Yes, and you're directing. Lord, I thank you for that presence, the very glory of God that rests upon each and every person. The glory of your Spirit that rests upon each one to do your will, to represent you in this, in this earth. Many are bound in darkness. Many are crying out in despair. And so you've sent us. You've put us there in the midst of others' lives, to be there to represent your, your peace and your goodness, your forgiveness, and all that you are. We recognize that, Lord. We take up our place. We thank you, Lord, that you diffuse through us the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus in every place. And I thank you for that glory that rests upon us as we go out of here and go into our weeks. Your divine presence makes a difference in us and in those around us. Fill our mouths with words. Grant unto your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. We thank you for doing a mighty work in us now. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for those who've come to church that are not right with you.